Our second reading this morning comes to us from the book of Exodus. We'll be reading in chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Listen for God's word to you. Then the Lord told him, Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians treat them, abuse them. Go now, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt." But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So how many of us are still working on New Year's resolutions? Show of hands, any, any New Year's resolutions in the house? Okay. How many of you, don't, don't show your hand for this one, how many of you had a New Year's resolution five days ago, but you've already abandoned it? Okay. All right. So, so um, this is the, the season when our mind kind of goes to, goes to New Year's resolutions. We think, about, we think about maybe this is a time to make a change. Um, our culture with the whole idea of New Year's resolutions uh, encourages it. But I think it's just a natural place where we do it. You know, it's a new year. We're changing, you know, what number. Some of us still use checks and we write the number up at the top. We have other occasions. We have to, we have to pause and think, you know, the earth has gone around the, the sun a whole, uh, a whole revolution. And, you know, I only get so many of those and maybe, maybe there's something in my life where I need to make some adjustments. Maybe I need to, to make some changes in my life. So, so there's this kind of consciousness. It's a new season. Our, our days are already like four or five seconds longer than they were back in, um, uh, you know, a week ago. And, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna get long soon enough, but, uh, they're still pretty short, but they are getting longer. So it's, it's a time to kind of think maybe this is a time to make some changes. Um, um, and so, so our mind kind of naturally gravitates and it's, it's past Christmas. We don't have all the busyness. So we've got relatively uncluttered, uh, uh, perspective in front of us. So now kind of is, is a, is a logical place for us to begin thinking about, um, what sort of, what sort of changes we might want to make in our lives. I, I was looking at a, a study that said that, um, uh, most New Year's resolutions are abandoned by February, and my, my first thought was February. February. <laughs> who, who makes it? Who makes it more than a couple of days, right? So, so um, I thought that was pretty interesting. But, but the interesting thing about it was also that that some succeed. That that not every New Year's resolution is hopeless. That some people actually succeed at them. So, if you have begun a New Year's resolution and you just don't want anyone to know because it'll be embarrassing when you fail, you know, good for you because some people do succeed, and maybe you're going to be one of them. So you'll beat the odds and. and you'll succeed. I've been going to the gym for the last uh, two years, and um, and one of the things I've noticed in two years, that gives you enough perspective. You see that there are people who were there before I came, right? There's people who've been there, you know, who knows how long they've been going to the gym. And then there's been people who kind of started when I did um, and uh, start or started later, and they've come, and some of them are still coming, and some of them have already quit coming. 
And, and I think that that's a good thing, that people are willing to try something, that they have a sense that, you know, there's a change. I need to get healthy. I need to get fit. And so I'm going to go to the gym. And now, you know, maybe they, maybe they decided this gym wasn't for them. They wanted to go to Brand X or whatever. They wanted to go to some other gym. Maybe they said, you know what? I don't need to walk on the treadmill here. I can walk on a treadmill at home or I can, I can go to the mall and do my walking there and, you know, buy some stuff I don't need. Whatever it is that, that people, people say, you know, I'm willing to give it a try. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and start a gym membership and we'll see where it goes and I think that that's a good thing that people are willing to take on a new task and say well let me just see how this works um, I've mentioned uh, I think last year I mentioned that I have uh, uh, recently done some changes in my life last year I did have a New Year's resolution and it was to tie my shoes differently and I succeeded so now I'm I'm almost as quick tying my shoes the the correct way as I was uh, tying them the wrong way for, for 40 something 50 something years so um, so maybe if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, I can teach you the right way. So, um, so I've learned to tie my shoes. Two years ago, I had a, I had a, I had a, a resolution which was to you apply sunscreen every day. I went to my dermatologist, and he said you need to do that. And I said, but I live in Alaska, and you know we should be so lucky as to have sun for half the year. And he says, no, even in Alaska, you need. You need your sunscreen. So I said, all right, all right, I'll do what you tell me. So, so I started doing it and I've been pretty good, um, about applying sunscreen, um, uh, for, for almost two years now. So, so that's been going on. And, uh, lately I've been changing my diet and my nutrition. My doctor's happy with the, uh, the results. She doesn't like my methods, but she, she is happy with the results. So I'll take that as a win. Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, I think that, I think that a lot of us have a sense that, you know, there's a change we could make. You know, I've got, I've got some changes I want to make. And so, um, in fact, I've got, a, I've got a planner and I've got all the things I have to do this week. And then I've got the things that, that are coming up. And then I've got the things that don't have a date, but I would sure love to get to them someday. So I've got, you know, columns of things that need to be done. And maybe you're like that. Maybe you've got some things that are often the, it would be good to do that kind of, kind of, uh, column, uh, whether you, whether you write them down or not. There's just some, some sense that there's something that needs to be done. And maybe, maybe for you it's not, it's not as simple as that. Maybe it's not, it's not, you know, just a task you need to do. Maybe it's something else. Maybe your doctor said you need to get fit. You know, that there's something wrong with your, your, your body and you need to start, you know, working. You need to be one of those people at the gym or, or something else. You need to cut out a bad habit. You need to make a change in your life for your health. Uh, maybe that's your circumstance. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a relationship and you're just thinking this cannot go on like this. That, that, um, or God forbid it may go on like this and, you know, that would be even worse. And so you're thinking, you know, something has to change in this relationship. Uh, I, it, w- it would just be terrifying to think that it would go on this way forever. Um, so something needs to change. So maybe you're thinking about there's a relationship that needs to change. Maybe you're thinking, you know, it's not, it's not either of those. It's my finances that, you know, the bills are starting to come in now after Christmas and, you know, there's been no corresponding increase in my, in my income. And maybe you're in the, the government and they're saying, trust us. Um, we'll pay you someday. Um, maybe. Um, so, uh, so, uh, maybe you're, you're on furlough right now and you're, you're wondering about your finances and you're thinking something has to change. So, so there's all kinds of reasons people think about change. And some of them are even actually beyond just, you know, the, the thing that's staring me in the face. We, we're aware of some injustice in the world or some, some cause that we feel, you know, I really, you know, I support that. I really should be more a part of that particular cause. That, that this is the time of year when we start thinking, you know, are there things we, we should be doing? Are there, are there changes we should be making? And, um, uh, so, so we've got all kinds of, uh, things like that. And what I want to do is I want to, want to say, I, I want to talk about 
what does our faith offer us? If, if we're in one of those positions, if we're thinking about how we can be better parents or better grandparents, if we're thinking about how we can change our finances, change our health, what does our faith teach us about making those kinds of changes? If we're thinking, you know, it, it offends me that there are people in the world who are suffering, um, what does our faith teach us about that kind of change, about being um, involved in that kind of change? And, and what we're going to see is... Um, at least from this one reading, we're going to be looking at Mo, uh, the story of Moses in, in Exodus 3. But we're going to see that there are two two lessons that we can take just from this one passage of Scripture. One of them is just, just for everybody. You don't have to be a Jesus follower. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to be anybody. It's just a great lesson that we can all be reminded of from time to time. But the other one applies specifically for people who are Jesus followers, people who have who have trusted Jesus and want to obey his, his teaching. So... So let's go ahead and take a look at um, the story of uh, uh, Moses um, in chapter 3 of Exodus. So so um, uh, as, you're, as you're finding it, Moses is um, uh, tending, tending sheep in Midian. He's been there for 40 years, and one day he sees a bush that's burning, and he says, I must turn aside to see why that bush is burning but is not consumed. So he goes over to where the bush is and he hears the voice of God speaking from the bush and uh, God tells him to take the sandals off his feet because the, the, the ground he is standing on is holy ground. And so he, he, he hides his face because he's afraid because he's had one of those, one of those glorious encounters we talked about at Christmas time, the, the, the experience of God's presence in a, in a glorious way. And so he's afraid. So he takes the sandals off his feet, and that's where we pick things up in chapter 7. The Lord tells him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Now, uh, to, to understand that completely, you have to go back and read chapter 1 and 2, and you can do that. They're not that long. I encourage you to do so to get the, the full flavor of what's going on. But it's been a while and and the the people in Israel are being oppressed they have been they've become slaves in Egypt and the 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 slave drivers are particularly cruel to them and uh, so so as readers we're aware of that situation but what what the what the text doesn't tell us is how this lands on Moses because maybe Moses land you know maybe Moses is like us we've been reading this and we're saying i was wondering when god would get involved but but because we know also more about Moses' story I'm wondering if Moses is thinking something else. Because, see, uh, Moses knew about the, the suffering. You know, this is not new news to Moses. Um, he knew that the people in, in Egypt were suffering. Um, he was one of the people who was oppressing them. He had grown up in the house of Pharaoh, and so he knew that they were being oppressed. And one day, he kind of had a realization that this is not right, and he decided he was going to do something to change that. He tried to fix what was being, what was the, the wrong that was going on in Egypt, and it didn't work. And again, you can read this, the whole story, uh, but, but it didn't work, and he had to flee. He had to flee out of Egypt, and he went to Midian, and for the last 40 years, he's been, he's been herding sheep. He met a, he met a local girl, he married, uh, uh, Jethro's daughter, and he, um, he has been herding Jethro's sheep now for 40 years. So he knew that there was oppression going on in Egypt. And I wonder if this, this lands on him like this. If what he hears God saying is, if you thought you could escape, that if you thought that if you just went far enough away, it would quit happening. Well, it didn't. 
And I wonder if that's really the way that Moses hears this message from God, that I have heard the cries of my people. And if you think Midian is far enough away that you can forget about it, it's not. Because I've heard their cries. I am aware of their suffering. And to really understand kind of where Moses is coming from, to really appreciate... So to really appreciate where where Moses uh, is at, you know, if you've got something you're thinking about, it could be just a small thing, you know, I want to break a habit or something like that. Um, but to, to think of think of those New Year's resolutions or maybe that that resolve, you know, I really should should get more involved in in this thing, this cause that I'm aware of, or or whatever it is, whether it's you know something something that is big and you know grand and has great impact in the world or whether it's just small and will make a, a little tiny difference in your own life. You know, you're learning to tie shoes differently or something. Right? So put yourself in that situation. And and you know, you're now kind of you can maybe relate to Moses because God says, I've noticed it too. Right? Picture picture whatever it is, big or small, the big thing or the small thing, and God speaks to you and says, Yeah, I'm aware of that. I know about that bad habit. I know about that injustice in the world. I know about the problem in your relationship. I know what's going on at work. I know, I know about the, the, the guy in the hall at school. I know about it too. So, so, so if we hear it from that perspective, God says, I know about it. Then we're ready for the next thing that God says, because what does God say to Moses? He says, yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. So imagine that just for a moment, whatever it was you thought of a moment ago, just to get the impact of how this lands on Moses. He's aware of this, he's aware of this terrible, terrible situation. And for 40 years, he's just felt like a failure because of it. And he hears God is actually aware of it. And God says, I will, I have, I have come down in order that I can rescue them. So that's, the way that Moses hears this. And so you can imagine his response. He, he goes, wow, that's great. You know, I, I've been off here in the boondocks for 40 years wondering, did you even care? And now, uh, you know, what great news that you're actually going to solve that problem. That is so great. I, I feel so much better now. And then, and then God says, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to free them from their oppressors. I'm going to liberate them from Egypt. I'm going to lead them back into a good land, uh, their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And, and Moses goes, wow, not just liberation. You're going to go way beyond, you know, the, the immediate problem. You're going to fulfill the, the covenant you made with our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're going to go way beyond just fixing the problem. You're going to, you're going to rescue them not only from this danger, but you're going to rescue them to this great future that you had promised for so long. Wow, that is great. I can't wait to see that. And then God says, yeah. And not only that, you know, there's some, there's five nations that live there already. The Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They live there now. And if you follow my instructions to the letter, then you won't have 3,000 years of fighting over who owns the land. And Moses, you know, we can imagine Moses at this point goes, ah, um, well, the part about ending the slavery sounds really good. Um, so, so let's go back to that. And so God does. He says, he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Moses going, great. It's about time somebody did something about that. And what does God say then? God says, 
Now go. God says, now go. I have come down and you get to go solve the problem. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. He says, he says, now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. And if, if, if you're not a church person or if you are, this is kind of the first lesson we can take from this. Sometimes all we need is to be told go. All we need to be told, you know, Nike has become a, a big company on the strength of that slogan, right? Sometimes all we need is just that nudge. Just go do it. You know, that there's that thing that's staring you in the face. There's that, you know, last year I tried to do it and, you know, it didn't work out well. Um, but maybe this year is the year I can actually do something about that. And maybe that's the lesson for you today is just to do it. You know, don't, don't wait. Don't wait until next New Year's. Start today. Start, start as soon as you leave the building. Start that new thing that you feel that vague, nagging sense. You know, I probably should do that. So the first lesson is, is just now go. And that's for everybody. You don't have to be a church person. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to, you don't have to believe anything. It's just, we all need a nudge from time to time. Sometimes we just need a, a kick in the pants to get started. And God gives Moses a kick in the pants. But then he does something else. He does something that is just simply amazing to me. He says, he says, um, he says, uh, you must lead my people out of Israel. And Moses says, yeah, but I've tried. I tried and I made the situation worse. It actually got worse. Um, you know, no, don't, don't, you know, you don't want me. Who am I? I have, I have been there. I have done that. I, what little I was able to accomplish made things worse. I have been hiding here in Midian for 40 years. Who am I to go before Pharaoh? He says, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. Now, now, you know, we would expect God to say that because we're hearing this story 3,000, 3,500 years later. And, and, you know, of course we would expect God to say that, but just pause for a minute. You know, what, what amazes me, this is the thing that I love about our faith, what, what it teaches us about God, is He doesn't recriminate. You know, if I was God, I would have said, yeah, Moses, I'm quite aware of your earlier failure, right? I'm totally aware of that. Do you know how long it took me to get a Hebrew on the inside? Do you know how, you know how many, how many, threads of history I had to weave just perfectly so that you would be raised by Pharaoh's daughter, so that you would be on the inside. I had everything organized perfectly, and you screwed it up. You should have come to me when you had a problem, when you realized this, when you finally realized what I had long since known about, and when you saw it, did you come and consult me? Did you pray? Did you say, God, what am I going to do about this thing? No, you just you just had your own little solution, and you tried to solve it yourself, and that's why you've been out in the boondocks for 40 years. If I was God, that's what I would have said. Right? That's, you know, talk to my family, right? Right? You know, I'm very good at the recriminations. I think a lot of us are good at recriminations, but God doesn't do that. God doesn't even bring it up. All he says is, he says, you know, it's like, that's, that's past. I don't, I don't care about that. He says, I will be with you. This time, I'm going to hold your hand, Moses, and it's going to be awesome. You're going to liberate my people, Israel. And the rest is history. Well, not not really. I mean, you know, Moses isn't done protesting, right? Moses is not done of making coming up with objections. Moses Moses comes up with objections for the rest of this chapter and most of chapter four, one after another. He keeps saying, "Well, I'm not a good choice here, God. You know, pick somebody else." Um, but God eventually prevails. You know, God does tend to get what He wants, and um, so Moses goes along, and the rest is history. And I truly mean history. 
just a show of hands, how many other people can you think of from the Bronze Age? You know, maybe, you know, one of the pharaohs, King Tut or somebody, you know. What do you know about King Tut? What do you know about, you know, the guy with the pyramid, the big one? You know, whatever, they keep changing his name. You know, Cheops or Khufu. You know, do we know anything about these people? We don't know anything about them. When you think about people from the Bronze Age, you know, you wind up with Moses, right? Because the rest are, you know, I saw the plaque in the museum, right? But I don't know anything about them. Moses became part of history because he said, okay, if you'll hold my hand, then I'll go back. And so that's the lesson. God is with us. Now, because we're all like Moses in this regard, I, I know the objection. It's the same objection I have. It's like, yeah, but that was a God thing. God wanted the people of Israel to be freed. But my little problem, the thing at work, the, the thing with my finances, that relationship, you know, the my health, that's just me. God doesn't care about that. Well, are you sure? You know, when I read this story, what I see is this. I see God sees people in trouble and God acts through people, to get them out. And that means if you're a people, if you're a person, you can be in either half of that. Maybe you're the one with a problem. You know, think about that. That habit you want to kick, the new habit you want to form, how about seeing it in this light? God sees people in trouble, and God acts through people to get them out. You could be the people in both parts of that, that God sees your problem, and that God will act through you, to get you out of that problem. And in the same way, if you're aware of some, some great problem in the world, some, some injustice, some, some, some economic privation that, that you're aware of out in the world, and you're saying, you know, I, I can imagine that's big enough to get on God's radar, but I'm not a part of it. Well, God acts through people to get people out of problems. So maybe God is calling you the way he called Moses. So if you're kind of entertaining those objections, you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, probably not me. Let me encourage you not to make the mistake Moses did 40 years earlier. Don't just say no. Instead, seek clarity. If if you're not persuaded that God is calling you to make that change, to take on that, that new responsibility, at least seek clarity. Pray about it. And I don't mean, you know, you know, the, the little pray that, you know, is followed by, now I'm going to run off to Midian because I really don't want to hear the answer. I mean, seek God's answer. God, what would you have me do about this thing? Seek clarity. Don't seek Midian. Talk to Christian counsel. You've got friends. You know people who are Christians. Talk to people and say, look, you know, this is just between you and me, and please don't post this on social media. But, but I'm wondering if God is calling me to do this thing, to take on this, this, this change, to, to tackle this, this obstacle. Seek clarity. Seek clarity. Pray. Talk to Christian counsel. Say, is this really something that God wants to be a part of, that God wants me to do in order to change my world? God concludes this little passage by saying to Moses, he says, this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. He says, this is your sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. 
And when I read that, I think, well, that's a terrible sign. I have to actually do it in order to get the proof that that it was you having me do it all along. You know, don't put the sign at the far end. Put the sign here. And then I won't have to trust you. And, you know, God kind of says, did you just hear yourself? That's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to trust me. And when you get there, you'll see that it was me. You will see that it was me. You know, I've already deposited off in the future proof. And when you get there, you'll say, look at that. Look at that. I thought so. And now I know. So God says, there is a sign that is waiting for you. But, but it's even better than that. What God says is this. He says, he says, here's the thing. You will worship me at this mountain. He says, he says, see Moses, I have a plan for each, for, for Israel. And it requires them to be out of Egypt. They have to be here at this mountain. They're not here right now. My plans won't progress until the thing I've asked you to do succeeds. So tell me, do you think it's going to succeed? God says, I have a plan that cannot move forward. I have a plan to bless the world through the children of Abraham. It will not move forward until you succeed. Of course you're going to succeed. That's the best sign you could ask for, Moses. I've been thinking about change as, as the pastor of this church, I, I don't have any particular New Year's resolutions personally, but as the pastor of the church for the last couple of months, I've been uh, um, dealing with a nagging feeling of my own, the nagging feeling that this church is not uh, succeeding in one particular area. And, and I don't think this is unique to our church. I think it's actually pretty common uh, about a lot of churches. The way we have described our purpose um, is that we help people trust Jesus for a better life. And I think a lot of people don't, don't have a sense that this church is helping them have a better life. I think that, that if we bore more fruit in our lives, that if we, if we experience the better life that Jesus has for us, um, that people would feel that this church was succeeding more at the thing that God is calling it to do. And again, I don't think that this is unique to our church. I think this is, this is a, a common problem across Protestant America. Um, and so I've had this sense that this is something that God uh, would have us do differently. And so uh, I'm going to be working this year, personally, is going to be a year of really f- intense focus on disciple-making, that that I want this church and I want my preaching and my leadership in the church um, to be reflected in our success at making disciples and, and growing disciples. So, so we're going to begin a new sermon series next week talking about uh, a particular aspect of disciple-making. I invite you to be part of it. But... But whatever it is that you're you're dealing with, whatever the thing that, that came to your mind is you thought, you know, what if God really has seen that problem? What if God really has come down to solve that problem? As you think about that, consider this. We have a sign. We have the same sign that Moses has, right? You know, if you succeed, then off in the future, you'll see my fingerprints when you look back. But more than that, we have the sign of Jesus. This is Christmas, right? This is the last day of Christmas. You know, the 12 days of Christmas. This is the last day of Christmas. The tree's still up. It is Epiphany. It is the traditional last day of Christmas. And that's the problem with Christmas. We have the, we have the, the sign. Jesus came down to rescue us, right? We have that exact same sign, not just a, an assurance that God gave Moses at a bush, but the actual event in history where God came down, became one of us, and proved that God would rescue us. But Christmas is kind of in the rearview mirror, and it'll be 300 days for most of us, 360 days for some of us, before we think about Christmas again. But Jesus was smart. He knew that, that Christmas would fade. So before he 
left the earth. The night before he was arrested, he gathered his disciples in the upper room and he said, I want you to share a meal with me. And when you celebrate this meal, I want you to remember what I have done for you. Because my desire is to rescue you. My purpose on earth is to rescue you from, from the trouble that I am aware of. We're both aware of the trouble. I am too. And my purpose is to rescue you. So what, what I want you to do is when you share this meal, I want you to eat some bread and remember that I, that my body was broken for you. And I want you to drink some wine and remember that my blood was shed on your behalf. Jesus gave us a sign and we celebrate it every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So I invite you to join us as our service continues to join us in celebrating that sign of God's involvement in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who sees. You hear our cries. You see our suffering. You are aware of the problems that we're dealing with, Lord. And that Jesus is the proof that you have come down to rescue us, Lord. Um, I pray for everyone in this room, as they as they think about the things that are facing them in the new year, that you would help them to to seek clarity and understand where you would have them uh, uh, be at work, where you have promised to be with them. Lord, help them to to appropriate this passage and apply it in their own lives. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.